everyone, with the help of Kenny G. I just wanted to start the podcast episode today with that beginning. And I just want to say thank God we made it through 2020. It is January 1st, 2021. And thank you guys for listening. I just wanted to say Happy New Year as we begin our podcast episode. Hey, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to the Ladies Promoting Transparent Advocacy Podcast. I am your podcast host, Shay Pate. Well, it's Friday, and it is the Friday before the January 5th Georgia Senate runoff election. So I decided for this Fantastic Fellows Friday I will focus on the Democratic candidates running for the two Senate seats. That would be Reverend Warnoff and John Ossoff. Now, I want to make it very clear before I start talking about this is that I am an independent voter. I have voted for Republicans, but I am not going to deny 2020. I'm Democrat all the way. I'm promoting this all the way. And to the listeners in Georgia, these seats have to be obtained for the Democrats, both seats, and for the Republicans, one. So we have to get both seats because if they get one seat, then they will control the Senate. And as you know, as of Tuesday, well, actually, as of Wednesday, to my knowledge, We still don't have a stimulus check, and Mitch McConnell is not going to do any better if he stays in power for the next four years. So I want you guys to think about that. And I just had so much within the last couple of days of research on all the candidates. So what I decided to do was let you hear from all of them. I'm going to let you hear in their own words I want to start off with the debates, the introductions of the candidates. Now, I was kind of surprised that the Purdue, and maybe it's the district, and I'm here in Georgia, and we have like 169 counties, so I'm not really sure if that's why the Purdue and Ossoff debate was in southern Georgia, but the Loeffler and Warnock debate was in the city of Atlanta, So I'm just going to let you listen to the introductions of the candidates. And for the Warnock and the Loeffler debate, there were two questions asked, and I definitely want you guys to listen to that. And after you hear that, I was watching um, on Tuesday MSNBC and uh, CNN, and I was listening to... Uh, on MSNBC, Nakima Williams, who is the chair of the Democratic Party here in Atlanta, well, in Georgia, but she has also been elected to the seat where the beloved John Lewis held. So she she is definitely on point about some of the things she says, but I heard something that I had never heard of this. I don't know if it's a podcast or what, but I was on YouTube And the damage report was funny. It was real, but it was funny. I was on YouTube just looking for videos where I can get the audio from. And these two guys on the damage report kind of threw it out there exactly as it is. So check out all these videos. They're all on YouTube, um, except for the ones I recorded as they were happening on MSNBC and NBC. I mean, excuse me, and CNN. And I just want to say this to the Democrat voters, I want you to pay attention, even after this is all over, because, you know, once everything is done, we got to start prepping for the next four years. And I agree with uh, a gentleman on CNN named Bakari, which a lot of people, Sellers, Bakari Sellers, which a lot of people probably know who he is. But he kind of put it in the words that if I was on there, I would have said the exact same thing to the Democratic Party. We have to start paying attention while these Republicans are winning. We have to modernize our messaging, as he said, for 2021, because this is a whole new generation. We can't stick our head in the sand and keep doing things the way they were 
and think we're going to get a different outcome because we're not. So I just wanted to make those comments. But the first thing I'm going to play is the introduction to the uh, panel for both debates. And I thought they were extremely interesting. So check this out. TOC and the Georgia Gray Television Stations present Republican incumbent David Perdue and Democratic challenger John Ossoff in the 2020 Georgia U.S. Senatorial Debate. Now, here's your moderator, Mike Seal. Good evening, everyone, and thank you for joining us. I'm Mike Seela. WTOC is hosting a debate for Georgia's U.S. Senatorial race with candidates, Republican incumbent David Perdue and Democratic challenger John Ossoff. In addition to WTOC here in Savannah, this debate is also airing on WRDW in Augusta, WTVM in Columbus, WALB in Albany, WCTV in Thomasville. The candidates are eight feet apart, and as you can see, there is a plexiglass divider between them. We are following CDCU recommendations. Here are the rules for tonight's debate. Candidates will have one minute and 30 seconds for opening and closing statements. The candidates will have one minute and 15 seconds to answer a question when a question is posed to both. The candidates can request a rebuttal if they are named or attacked by the other candidate in their answer. If that request is granted, the candidate will have 45 seconds for a rebuttal response. We also have directed questions for the individual candidates. They will have one minute and 15 seconds for a response. The other candidate will have 45 seconds for comment if they choose to. Then rebuttal rules about a direct attack would go into effect. Again, the candidates tonight are Republican incumbent David Perdue and Democratic challenger John Ossoff. You both have one minute and 30 seconds for opening statements. Senator Perdue, you won the coin flip, so let's start with you. Well, thank you, Mike, and thank you to WTOC for hosting this tonight. You know, my mom and dad were public school teachers in Mill, Georgia. I grew up working on our family farms. I worked my way through Georgia Tech and went on to have a business career and became a Fortune 500 CEO and created tens of thousands of American jobs. I never wanted to be in politics. But when Bonnie and I decided to get involved, we wanted to try to help change the direction of the country and get real results for Georgia. And from deepening the port to rebuilding our military to disaster relief for our farmers to help for, for uh, Plant Bogle right here in this area, to also getting real COVID relief during the crisis. I think we've done just that. In contrast, John Ossoff has said that he's always wanted to be in politics. He's pushing a radical socialist agenda. He'll be nothing but a rubber stamp to Chuck Schumer. And he says one thing in Atlanta and another in the rest of Georgia. If you believe me, if you look at uh, what he has said in the past, you can see that that's evidently the truth. Tonight, listen to his words. He will not tell you why he wants to support defunding the police, open borders, sanctuary cities, or why he wants to close two military bases in the state of Georgia, or why he thinks it's a good idea to take away our private health insurance from our own employers. The only reason that Bonnie and I are running for re-election is to continue to help change the direction of the country and get real results for Georgia. All right, thank you, Mr. Perdue. Mr. Also, you may have a minute 30 for your opening statement. Well, typical partisan false accusations from the senator. But listening to the senator's opening statement, here with this opportunity to address the people of the state about the direction of leadership for this state, you would not know, listening to Senator Perdue, that we are in the midst of a pandemic that has taken nearly a quarter of a million American lives. Senator Perdue, in his opening remarks, has not even acknowledged that we are in the midst of a crisis that has touched every family. We've lost parents, grandparents, neighbors. So many have been forced out of work. So many lives have been uprooted. We long for normalcy. We long for leaders who are honest with us about threats to our health at a moment when so many of us need government that serves us by empowering public health experts, medical doctors, and scientists to lead the public health response in a public health crisis. This virus that is accelerating across our country, hospitalizations increasing, nearly a thousand Americans dying per day was dismissed by Senator David Perdue as no deadlier than the ordinary flu. He told us the risk to our health was low. He told us the impact on our economy would be little. And this evening, you're gonna hear David Perdue talk about everything but this crisis that has torn this country apart. 
He will seek to deflect and distract with false accusations, but he won't acknowledge the devastation that's still being wreaked across this country or present a plan to contain this virus. Thank you, Mr. Purdue, or Mr. Ossoff there. Thank you both for being here tonight, Mr. Purdue and Mr. Ossoff. It is a Good evening and welcome. I'm Russ Spencer, evening anchor for Fox 5 in Atlanta, and you're watching the Atlanta Press Club Loudermilk Young Debate Series. We are broadcasting from the studio of Georgia Public Broadcasting in Atlanta, and we welcome viewers from across the state and the country. Now, this is the runoff debate for U.S. Senate to fill the seat currently held by Georgia Senator Kelly Leffler. And let's meet the candidates now. They are, in alphabetical order, Republican candidate Kelly Leffler. Uh, she was appointed to the U.S. Senate in January of 2020 to replace retiring Georgia Senator Johnny Isaacson. She is also part owner of Atlanta's WNBA team, the Atlanta Dream. Democrat candidate Raphael Warnock is the senior pastor at Ebenezer Baptist Church in Atlanta. Ebenezer, of course, the church where Martin Luther King Jr. was pastor. Let's meet our panel now. Uh, Senator Leffler, thanks for joining us. President Trump opened his election rally last night by falsely claiming he won Georgia. He didn't. According to certified state election results, he lost the state by about 12,000 votes. Do you stand by his narrative that the election was rigged, and do you support his demand that Governor Kemp to call a special session to seek to overturn those results? Well, first I want to thank the Atlanta Press Club for hosting this important debate. And look, it's vitally important that Georgians trust our election process, and the president has every right to every legal recourse, and that's what's taking place. But I've called for investigations, and now there's 250 investigations open here in Georgia. But the president was also clear that Georgians need to come out and vote for David Perdue and myself because of what's at stake in this election. You know, Chuck Schumer said, now we take Georgia, then we change America. We all know what that change would be. They've been very clear. They want to raise taxes on hardworking Georgians. They want to defund the police. They want to open our borders. They want to implement the Green New Deal. I'm fighting for every single Georgian to live the American dream that I was blessed to live. Senator, did you believe the, the election was rigged? Look, Greg, it's very clear that there were issues in this election. There are 250 investigations open, including an investigation into one of my opponent's organizations, you know, for voter fraud. And we have to make sure that Georgians trust this process because of what's at stake in this election. You know, the, the promise that Chuck Schumer made was to fundamentally change America. And I'm making sure that we don't go down the road of socialism. Lisa, your turn to ask a question of Reverend Warnock. Dr. Warnock, good evening. Good evening. As a pastor, there are those who are a little uncomfortable with someone switching from the pulpit to the Senate floor in Washington. If elected, how will you navigate the U.S. Constitution's edict separating church and state? Thank you so very much. Uh, it's wonderful to be here, and I want to thank everybody who tuned in uh, tonight. Uh, I also became aware that Senator Leffler uh, lost a, a member of her staff, and I want to uh, extend my condolences to her and also uh, to the family of, of that young man. Uh, listen, my, my whole life has been about service. Uh, it is uh, why I entered into the ministry, and uh, I am running for the United States Senate as a continuation of that life project. Uh, the thing about me running for the Senate is that this gives me an opportunity to work on the issues I've been working on for years. I've been fighting for access to affordable health care. I've been fighting for voting rights. I've been fighting for essential workers, ordinary people, because I know what it's like to be an ordinary person. I grew up in public housing, the first college graduate in my family of 12, I'm number 11. And if it were not for Pell Grants, low interest student loans, I wouldn't be here. I know the importance of good federal policy. Your goal is to work for fighting families, but what does that translate into beyond affordable housing and health care, as you just mentioned? Well, we got to make sure that we center ordinary people in all of the policy that we do. Uh, you know, I, I grew up with a, a father and a mother who instilled into me great values. And uh, my dad had a way of saying, get up and put your shoes on. And so he gave me this sense of a work ethic. But if I'm honest, that alone would not put me here on this stage. I mean, here's a kid who grew up in public housing. I'm running for the United States Senate against the wealthiest member of Congress. Only in America is that possible. And I am fighting to make sure that kids like me 
whether they are growing up in public housing down in Savannah, Georgia, or rural disaffected communities in North Georgia, that they have access to the American dream that I believe so much in. And I'm concerned that Washington uh, is not focused on ordinary people. Uh, you can't tell the difference between Washington back rooms and corporate boardrooms. My opponent represents uh, the worst of, of that kind of problem. And that's why I'm grateful uh, for this opportunity. Now, you notice that both Kelly Loeffler and David Perdue talk about growing up on a farm and, you know, they're rich. They were born in the money. You know, if you own a farm, I don't know too many farms that are like projects or cheap. Farms cost a lot to run, I'm sure. And I'm not saying that everybody that owns a farm is rich, but I'm saying these are not the average people. As you know, Kelly was not a politician. She was given the position. She wasn't elected into it. She's been in the position for the entire year of 2020. I live in Georgia. I know nothing about what she's done. I've never even seen her until she was running for re-election. Well, I won't say re-election because she wasn't elected. She was given the seat after retirement, but you never saw her or heard anything about her. Now, keep in mind, not only does she own our WNBA basketball team here in Atlanta, I want you all, I'm not going to give all the information out, I want you all to see how powerful her husband is and the millions he's worth dealing with this, I mean, owning stuff, <laughs> the stock exchange, come on now. I mean, this is nothing but money. So I was laughing because these gentlemen, and like I said, I was doing research on the damage report, and they kind of lay it out in a funny way, but it's not funny. It's really serious, but I like the way they laid it out. Now, like I said, I've never heard of these two gentlemen, but they're funny, and they're putting it out there about these two candidates. You have to decide, do you want someone that can relate to you or you want someone that's just so rich and powerful, they really don't care about you. They just want the power. And I, I love how these guys put it in the words about the power and the money. Check this out. And like I said, I wanted to do an episode so you can hear their own words, not my words, their words. And I'm going to make this episode longer than normal because this is extremely important. I want the listeners to think about it over the weekend if you have not voted who you're going to vote for, and why you're going to vote for them. And as Kelly said, if they lose these seats, it will change America. I agree. But it will change America for the better, for the everyday working people. It will allow the new administration to get things done because Mitch McConnell will not be in charge of the Senate. Mitch McConnell has proven he is not trying to do too much for the average American person. You know, the people have been fighting for months for stimulus checks. Now, all of a sudden, because they may lose the race, Kelly Loeffler and David Perdue all of a sudden decided to go with Trump and endorse the $2,000 check, which I'm going to play just a little bit of that rally that was done here not too long ago in Georgia. And I want you guys to always do your research if you think the information is not true but check out these guys they're funny i don't know who they are but i'm gonna have to check them out again <laughs> and they're on the damage report check it out on youtube because the video is actually funny <laughs> so we've known since the relatively early months of the pandemic that at least two senators uh david Perdue and kelly loffler appear to have used their insider government information to benefit themselves financially, potentially massively financially, uh, through stock uh, sales and purchases based on secret information that most people don't have. And they seem like they're going to get away with it. But as the months have gone by, we have learned more and more about them. And I just want to catch you up on some of the information that we have at this point. First, you need to know that these two senators are not like you and I. Uh, David Perdue is a longtime businessman who served as CEO of Dollar General in the mid-2000s. According to his financial disclosures, he is worth between $15 million and $43 million, which is, uh, compared to me and potentially you, a uh, rich yeah. person, compared sure. to the other senator we're talking about, 
He is broke AF. So as as Michelle Tendera writes at Forbes, Kelly Loeffler and her husband Jerry Sprecher own a big stake in International Exchange, a financial clearinghouse company that Sprecher founded and where he remains CEO and chairman. After closely examining Loeffler's financial disclosure forms and other information, Tendera estimates that the couple is worth at least $800 million and likely over $1 billion, or roughly quadruple the wealth of the second richest member of Congress, Senator Mitt Romney. So I, I need you to know that so that you know who Kelly Loeffler is, and to know that she is going through such difficult financial times that she has to do whatever it takes to benefit herself, even if it's corrupt or potentially illegal. I mean, she's only got $800 million. Only $800 million. And yeah. by the way, she looks like a broke-down Cher Horowitz from Coolis. Continue. <laughs> that is true. That's the best that can be done with $800 million, I guess. Um, David Perdue probably looks like some other character. I forget who was in that. Um, but anyway, uh, was... Was the guy who played Ant-Man? I don't remember. Anyway. Yes, Paul um, Rudd, yeah. It was yeah. Paul Rudd. Okay, good. He looks like Gosh. like Paul Rudd in 700 years. Anyway. <laughs> okay, so uh, on January 24th, there was a private all-Senate briefing about the disaster. This is before most people knew what was going to come. It was long before brought up public understanding. Both uh, Loeffler and Purdue started trading strategic stocks in the wake of that. Loeffler executed 29 transactions valued between $1.275 and $3.1 million in the following days before the market crashed, almost all of them sales. One exception was a purchase of Citrix, which sells teleworking software, which is the sort of thing that might benefit from the fact that there are going to be massive lockdowns. And you can get it on the ground floor with Citrix since everyone else didn't know there were going to be massive lockdowns, but Kelly Loeffler had a good reason to believe that it was. Purdue made a similar number of trades, but bought more than Loeffler, in particular an investment of up to $850,000 in DuPont, which manufactures personal protective equipment. Again, the sort of trade you'd make when you knew what was going to come, but other people didn't. Now, most of them say they didn't do anything wrong. Loeffler said her trades were made by an investment firm. Purdue said most of his investments were made by an independent advisor, although the Associated Press recently noted that he still could have told that advisor what to buy and sell. And actually, even more recently, in The Intercept, Ryan Grimm has provided evidence that he didn't use an independent advisor at all. He is simply lying about that. He ordered the trades individually based on the private information that he actually had. Now, as of right now, up until very recently, they've effectively been cleared. Our system is so fundamentally corrupt and so lackadaisical in the oversight of senators that you can apparently use the private information you have to benefit and you'll be okay. Now, there's some newer stuff which we'll get to, but so far, Jason, what do you think about this? Uh, I think this is very Martha Stewart um, back in the day when she did the same thing. Uh, but, yeah. right, it's it's privilege, it's privilege. And, John, well, and I know we're going to go deeper into this story, but, yes, the facts are the facts, right? I don't, people can believe whatever they want, but when they had, they were privy to this information in January, as, as the article said, prior to broad... Um, awareness of what was going to happen with COVID, they made these trades. And then it's it's indicative of the corruption and also the privilege they have being as rich as they are and the people that are in their circle that want to stay rich as well by helping these rich people. Um, They should definitely be brought to justice. They should definitely be be held accountable. And and luckily, the SEC is investigating this, of course. But I'm not surprised. I mean, again, Martha Stewart did the same thing, and she did time in a very posh and very nice nice place to to uh to luxuriate while you're while you're breaking the law um but i don't know whatever i mean like i would love to have uh, an ounce of what they have financially and if i did i would definitely not i would definitely make sure i was not being illegal with it again i la- I, I leave and land on privilege yeah i yeah she went to the sort of prison that like if i could go to it right now for a few weeks i would like i would love to be able to go to that prison for a little bit 100 um, percent. yeah and kelly loeffler like, I don't know if she's worth $800 million or a billion. And you know what the difference between $800 million and a billion is? Nothing. It doesn't right. matter. You have unlimited money. You can buy and right. do whatever you want. It doesn't matter. Um, I wouldn't be a senator at that point. Just do everything. What is Let that? Alone. What? Yeah, like, I don't understand that. Why, like, you? it's in all these HBO shows. It's in, about when you have politics, it's always some really rich person that, well, I get it, they want power. But money 
take him by power. Why go and run for? Why don't you just go and live your life and and leave people alone? If I had a, like if I had a million dollars, John, I would be like, I'm good. I'm, I'm thank, thank you. It's been a great life. Uh, uh, exit stage left. I'll see you guys later. You know, like I don't understand why these mil, why these why these super rich people always want to be in office. Like, what's the allure? Because I get a stupid question. What's the allure? We know the allure is power, but. People want those jobs to also make money, and you have, as you said, unlimited buckets of money. Just go and be happy, be merry, and do your thing. The people don't stay in your lane. Yeah, they, they, it is, it's an addiction. They're addicted to money, and it's the, like, there are a lot of addictions with different levels of stigma. It is the one addiction that we have decided should not be stigmatized. Indeed, we should found our entire economic system, our social structure, a lot of our pop culture, all around it's good to be addicted to this thing that can't actually improve your life in any way because you already have an effective right. life and an amount of it. I want to play, um, I was watching Tuesday of this week, Don Lemon on CNN, and he had three guests on talking about the election here in Georgia and the runoff. And he had Allison Stewart, who is Republican strategist, but Corey Sellers, who is a constant... Um, guest on CNN as a commentator, and I think he used to work for President Obama. And and, um, the other person he had on was Kirsten Powers. She's she's on CNN a lot, but she's a columnist for USA Today. And I really enjoyed listening to their perspectives, but I want to point out Bakari Sellers specifically because he said some things that I personally agree with. And I've actually had these conversations with both my Democrat and my Republican friends. Now, a lot of my Democrat friends don't agree, but all of my Republican friends agree with what he's saying. So I'm hoping that in 2024, um, the Democrats maybe think about this. And a lot of the seats that were lost in 2020 from the Democrats um, maybe because of this, but I want you guys to listen to their conversation. Now, pay attention to what Bakari says about the Democrats' marketing strategy. We're learning nearly two and a half million people have now voted early in Georgia's crucial Senate runoffs. But this is a race still very much up for grabs. The nation is watching because Election Day is only one week away. Results will decide who controls the Senate. But Republican incumbents Kelly Leffler, David Perdue are now in a race to keep up. Not only with the Democratic rivals, but also with the, also the roadblocks to COVID financial recovery first laid down by President Trump and now Mitch McConnell. The chaos on Capitol Hill overshadowing the race. CNN's Kiong Law and our team on the ground in Georgia spent today trying to get some answers from the candidates. And Kiong joins me now. Kiong, good evening to you. Thank, you. thank you so much. It's always a pleasure to see you. It's just one week to go until this runoff, right? But Republican senators left in Purdue. Uh, just one week. Just one week. They are, they are siding with President Trump in favor of this $2,000 stimulus, these payments. What are you hearing down there in Georgia? You know, it's really interesting because this has been such a, a point of contention among the candidates here in Georgia, on the Democratic side as well as the Republican side. What we are seeing in the actions of the Repu- Republican incumbent senators today is the influence of President Donald Trump and his strength with the base here. They now agree that it should be higher, that these payments that they had certainly indicated that they were not in favor of raising should now be higher because of what the president wants. I want you to listen to Senator David Perdue. I want to thank the president openly for signing that COVID bill on Sunday night to bring more aid to the state of Georgia. He brought $47 billion in the first round of CARES that helped 174,000 businesses and saved a million and a half jobs. And I've talked to the president repeatedly over the weekend. His heart was, we've got to do this. We've got to do this now. And uh, we don't want to wait. We don't trust the other side that will do it right. And so that's why he signed it in the law. And you heard that applause as the senator was mentioning the president's name. Well, he's very popular with the base here. They need the base in order to win. That's why you heard the other Republican senator, Kelly Loeffler, say this. Well, I said I support it. I support it. 
Um, look, we have to provide relief to Americans because Democrats have locked our country down. They've played politics with this moment and refused to pass relief month after month after month. Now, I want to say, so you guys know, that audio with the birds is not me. It literally, if you go on YouTube, you will see. That is, I don't know what's going on. She's barely talking. There's birds chirping all around her. And she really didn't seem like she wanted to answer the question. I mean, it's very, very clear she is not a politician. And she doesn't sound like she really gives a crap. And both of them were against this at first. But now, because they want the president's supporters to vote for them, they're all of a sudden in favor of it. But I want to continue with you guys listening to the uh, people, the panelists on Don Lemon's show. So you also spoke with voters. Do, how, do you, how do they feel about these stimulus payments? Now, we want to make real clear, Don, that the people who show up at the you know Purdue and Leffler events, and that's where we focused our energy today, going to the events, talking to their supporters, and seeing how they feel. These are the Republican faithful. They are the Republican base. They show up waving Trump flags. They show up wearing red hats. They're not wearing Kelly Leffler and David Perdue shirts, and that's important to note. And you see it in what they tell us. They're not as concerned that suddenly the senators want to vote for $2,000 versus $600, or that, that there's a nuance of policy that's shifted. What they're most concerned with is that these senators align themselves with Trump. That's why you're seeing the senators at times, you know, twist themselves into a pretzel in order to make sure that they keep the president happy and also try to encourage people to vote. Yeah, giving Trump a big old bear hug as often as they can. Thank you, Kyung. I appreciate that. I want to bring in now CNN okay. senior political analyst Kirsten Powers, also CNN political commentators Alice Stewart and Bakari Sellers. How there you guys are. I was wondering where you've been. Good evening uh, to Hi, all Don. of you. Alice, the president said jump uh, on the $2,000 relief checks, and Leffler and Purdue said how high. What's the impact of the last-minute chaos on the race down there? Yeah, well, they said how high, and he said $2,000 high, and they said $1,000 high, and they said, sure, okay, we'll do that. Look, uh, the reality is what the president did in terms of having them flip-flop on, on this uh, not only put them in an awkward uh, predicament, but also served up a pretty solid talking point for the Democratic challengers in this final week. But the reality is people on the ground are going to vote for these Republican candidates because they truly want to see a check and balance on the Biden administration. The people of Georgia, while it has made great strides to turn more blue, it is still a conservative state. They do not want to have the Biden policies uh, go without being checked. And they do want to have uh, the Republican control in the Senate. And I want to add on to what John Law said, uh, when I was there last week doing get out the vote efforts in Georgia on the ground, these were not just at Leffler and Purdue rallies, all across the state of Georgia, random places, random people, random street corners, people waving Trump flags because they do support President Trump. And while he might not have won, he does have a lot of support. The key is harnessing that energy and getting them out to vote next week. Bakari, I want to know what you think about this, especially now with, with Leffler and Purdue talking batter checks. Are Democrats at a disadvantage now? I mean, it's tough. I mean, Georgia is a tough state, but let's not forget that Joe Biden won this state by more than 10,000 votes. I mean, it was an extremely close race, but Joe Biden still won the state of Georgia. If anybody would have told you that Joe Biden was going to win Georgia before this election happened, then we would have all said that they were fools, but that's not the case. And Stacey Abrams and many others laid the groundwork so that this was possible. I mean, I just want to use the language that was used earlier. You have two United States senators who were scared to death of the president of the United States who have contorted themselves into pretzels. I mean, that's simply what we're seeing. And I think that it, it gives great talking points for uh, Raphael Warnock, gives great talking points for John Ossoff. But look, guys, let's not fool ourselves. This isn't a persuasion election. There's nobody sitting at home trying to make a decision about whether or not they're going to vote for Ossoff, Warnock, Leffler, or Purdue. This isn't that type of race. You have to go get the truck drivers. 
You have to go get the individuals who haven't voted in a long time. You have to go get the individuals who work nine to five or who work sporadically or who work part time or who work at Waffle House. Look, you got to go get those people who do not show up, who are not the super voters to come out and vote for you if you're going to win this election. So it takes voter contact and we'll see who has the best voter operation, whether or not it's Stacey Abrams or whether or not it's the bully pulpit of Donald Trump. Well, he does have the, the party faithful. I mean, he's got the right. He's got ride or die. We'll see if that happens with 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 Warnock and, and Ossoff. Houston, uh, this puts Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell in, in a really tight spot. He says that the Senate will consider the two thousand dollars, but maybe with some poison pills, Democrats can't vote for. How do you see this playing out? Is there a chance Americans see bigger checks? Well, I don't know, because Mitch McConnell is concerned about, obviously, the, the senators in Georgia have their cover because they, they've been able to say that they support this. But at the same time, the, a lot of people in the conservative base don't like it. A lot of senators don't support it. And so he seems more inclined in the direction of not wanting uh, you know, a vote to come up on this. So uh, if I had to guess, my guess would be no, they probably aren't going to see these, these checks, which I think is a real travesty. And... You know, I, I have to say, I am just very, I don't even know what the word is. I'm mesmerized. Something about with these voters that, that, that you're describing, Alice, you know, who are so consumed with this person who just lost an election. I can't think of any time in history where a losing candidate has this kind of cultish support behind them that the only thing that they care about is whether or not these senators are aligned with a president that is, is not going to be in office anymore and, and is not in, really technically in control of the Republican Party anymore. No. It's going to be interesting. I, 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 Alice, I'll get your response because I want to know how these voters are feeling, how these people are feeling, knowing that their checks were held up. Maybe they're going to get some more now, more money. When? Not sure. But the president out playing golf, I wonder about the optics of all this. We'll talk about it right after this break. Lashing out at Republican lawmakers as Congress deals with the mess that the president actually made. Kirsten's back, Alice's back, uh, Bakari as well. So, Alice, uh, Trump is resentful to the end, stirring the pot, calling Republicans weak and tired and still trying to convince people that he won. It is bizarre. Why all the arrows, especially targeting Mitch McConnell and the GOP? Why target his own party, especially when they're in such a precarious position now with the Senate? Well, the main reason is because he's pissed that he lost, right? And so he's just taking it out on everyone. And it really, it, it makes no sense whatsoever. And and the reality is uh, there are certainly more important things to be worried about than the fact that he is putting a new name uh, for a lame duck presidency. And uh, look, I, I commend members of Congress, Republicans, uh, as well as the Democrats for coming to an agreement with regard to the NDAA as well as COVID relief. And, and I think that they should be commended. They should not be insulted. They do not have a death wish. They do not, they're not lame. They are not cowards. They're doing the work of the American people and making sure that COVID relief gets in the pockets of the American people. And if the president really wanted $2,000 for COVID relief, he should have said that a long time ago. So all of this is really confusing. I know a lot of Republican congressmen who are frustrated because they feel as though they've walked the plank for this president and he pushed them over the edge, but they're going to do the right thing. Their loyalty pledge, the president might think it is to him, their loyalty is to their constituents. And I think they will be commended uh, for, in the end, doing the right thing for their voters. Mm, interesting. <laughs> Took him a long time, long time to do it, but we'll see, Alice. You know, it's hard to imagine, uh, Bakari, worse circumstances for Biden when he enters office. Hospitals are full all over this country. People are dying. If Republicans win the Senate, how much harder does that make getting things done for uh, the Biden administration? Well, let's not. I mean, why, why are you asking me this question today? I mean, let's let's at least get through next next Tuesday night. Let's have some hope as we go into the new year. There are many of us who, you know, they're. And this is my biggest problem with Democrats, and not only are we proverbial bedwetters, I say that all the time, but we're like sitting around recapping and rehashing whether or not defund the police was the right slogan. No, the slogan sucked, but it's also not the reason we lost races. Like, go get your asses down to Georgia and knock on some doors. Like, there's a lot of time left. Go knock on some doors and let's win this election that is ripe for our victory. You have two people running for office right now, incumbents, who are twisting themselves in pretzels, who don't really stand for anything. They can be knocked off by two solid candidates. 
but if that does not happen, then everything that you wish, your progressive wish list, the things that you think will allow this country and all of us to put our shoulder to the wheel to get us out this ditch over the last four years will not happen. Yeah. And it's going to be extremely hard if Mitch McConnell is still president of the, of the Senate. The only thing we have is executive action, hopes and dreams, and just praying that one day Joe Biden and Kamala Harris can do stuff that's unimaginable, uh, and the Supreme Court will approve it, which none of that's going to happen. So go out and vote January 5th. McCarty, I know, listen, I, I want to get into a thing with you to defund the police. Listen, I know that most people did not run on it, right? But a lot of people worked hard with that. And even though they did run and they didn't really believe in it, but I think Republicans used it in a way that was effective no to make people think that even though this person is not running on it, that they believe that they believe Democrats, all Democrats wanted to defund the police. That that's, that's just no, there's no doubt. There's no doubt that Democrats suck at messaging. There's no doubt that defund the police was like a horrible slogan, right? You got all have people that. That's not Goodbye the reason. That is not feed tonight, but go on. There is not. That is not the reason that Democrats lost these races. I mean, if Doug Jones and AOC both agree, we lost races because we run out of date campaigns. That's the reason we lost races. And Kyle Cunningham couldn't stop texting. But I digress. So we lost these races for a lot of reasons, but it wasn't just because it wasn't. Just because we got to do it. it all it all ends up messaging was bad all right I, I feel you i feel you kirsten uh, president okay. trump still shows no interest uh, in being president out golfing again today sources say that he is angry about renovations in this mar-a-lago resort what can you, what do you even say to that it's just, just <laughs> you always ask you know i mean it's it's disgusting uh, you know, it's disgusting that the, any person that has any control or power right now in this country would not be using every little piece of it to be helping all the people around this country who are suffering. I, I just, I don't understand it. I mean, so many people feel so hopeless and helpless right now. And here you have a person who actually could be doing something, actually could be contributing to the country, actually could be, you know, encouraging people to wear masks, encouraging people to be, you know, careful, all these other things. And, and he's not doing that. He's golfing. Yeah. Thank you, Kira. Well, I just wanted you all to hear other people's opinion because down here in Georgia, it's a lot going on with this race. But I wanted to give a positive ending to this episode. And on MSNBC, Lawrence O'Donnell talked to the newly elected representative, Nakima Williams, who was also the chair of the Democratic Party in the state of Georgia. I love her energy. I mean, she 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 is, I love her energy. I'm going to be honest, I don't know that much about her, but I've seen her on TV recently um, a few times, and I love her energy. I love her positivity. And so I wanted to play her last so that you guys can maybe just get the energy up to go out and vote if you have not. So listen to her, and hopefully if you have not voted, you will. And as I always tell people, you can vote for whoever you want to. You're grown. I'm just supporting at this moment the two Democratic candidates that are running. Because keep in mind, the senators that are right now representing Georgia, they have done nothing for Georgia. I live here, and I remember Purdue was the one that thought it was cute and funny while he was standing with Donald Trump, mispronouncing on purpose, disrespecting Vice President-elect Kamala Harris. And as one person said, I think Don Lemon said it, think of your comma in a sentence and just put la behind it, comma, la. And he was like, Kamala, Kamala. I mean, he was just making all kind of jokes about her name as he and the president laughed about it. So that's just so ignorant and disrespectful. But I wanted to just end it with uh, Nakima Williams talking to Lawrence O'Donnell. And hopefully, if you have not voted, you will vote. And um, sorry. Hopefully, if you have not voted, you will vote. And, you know, as I said, I can't say who you should vote for, but I am supporting the Democratic candidates for the runoff election in Georgia. People have needed help, but 
For the past year, David Perdue has opposed all direct relief for working Georgians, even while he cashed out personally on the pandemic by trading medical stocks. He hasn't had a change of heart. He's exclusively focused on his own political survival. Democratic candidate for Senate Raphael Warnock, running against Senator Leffler, said this. Kelly Leffler made clear her priorities when she sold $3 million of her own stock while downplaying the pandemic, called unemployment relief counterproductive, and then waited nearly nine months to take any action on additional relief while Georgians lost their jobs. Joining us now, Nakima Williams, who was elected last month to represent Georgia's 5th Congressional District, the seat once held by Congressman John Lewis. She is also the chair of the Democratic Party in Georgia. Thank you very much for joining us tonight. What does the action in the United States Senate today mean for the Georgia Senate race? Well, thank you for having me, Lawrence, to have this discussion because people on the ground in Georgia are hurting. People have been demanding direct payment and assistance for some time now, and we've been ignored by our Republican senators. Kind of like what happened today when they didn't object to Mitch McConnell not bringing this up for a vote. $2,000 is nothing to Kelly Leffler and David Perdue because they're some of the richest people in the United States Congress. And they have shown us exactly who they are. They are people who have made profits off of this pandemic when people in Georgia are hurting. So I'm standing with the people and we're going to the polls in record numbers in Georgia. And we're going to make sure that we put John Ossoff and Raphael Warnock in the United States Senate because we finally need U.S. senators who are willing to work for Georgians and not for themselves. Let's listen to what John Ossoff uh, said to Ali Velchi in the last hour. The only reason that Mitch McConnell is even entertaining the possibility of this kind of direct relief for the American people that's needed, the only reason that David Perdue and Kelly Leffler turned on a dime and endorsed, at least in their statements, these direct payments of $2,000 is because voters in Georgia are voting in record numbers. It sounds like people around the country in the other 49 states, uh, and of course the people of Georgia, uh, can thank Georgia voters for getting the $600 payments and getting any kind of economic relief, because what John Ossoff is saying, without the Georgia Senate races, Mitch McConnell would have done absolutely nothing Amen. in the United States Senate. Lawrence, you're exactly right. When people show you who they are, we should believe them. Georgia voters demanded change when we gave our 16 electoral college votes to Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. And we're going to do the same thing in November when we show David Perdue and Kelly Leffler that we do not want them pretending to represent us any longer because they don't represent the people in Georgia. They're only looking out for themselves and making profits off of the pain of people during this pandemic. So I am looking forward to voters continuing to exercise their voice and their power turning out in record numbers this is the last week of early voting and i see the excitement on the ground i'm talking to voters daily hosting events daily and people are genuinely excited about this election so i'm excited and i can't wait to come back with you to talk more about what this means to have a democratically controlled congress and have my friends john ossoff and Raphael warnock to work on behalf of the people of georgia together when i'm sworn in next sunday Let's talk about uh, this early vote. Uh, Julianna Maxwell was just saying in the previous segment that you have over 70,000 new voters this time who didn't vote in the presidential election. What are we to make of that? 70,000 new voters. Some of those are people who weren't yet 18 and registered to vote after the fact. But a lot of those people are people who are already 18 and now they understand that we can win elections here in Georgia. We shocked the country when we flipped Georgia, the first time in 28 years that we've turned Georgia blue in a presidential election cycle. So we're ready to do that again, Lawrence. And I know that 40% of these newly registered voters that have already voted in the runoff are black voters. And so that bodes really well for our prospects. We're building multiracial coalitions on the ground, and that's how we're going to win on January 5th. Uh, David Corn uh, has some new important reporting today in Mother Jones about Senator Leffler uh, and her conflicts of interests as a senator. Uh, David Corn's reporting Leffler was overseeing 
regulators at the same time that they were engaged in activity affecting a company she was intimately tied to as a current shareholder, former executive, and spouse of its CEO. Uh, is that kind of reporting by David Korn and others, including reporting uh, in Georgia, about Kelly Leffler's potential conflicts of interest getting through to voters, or does it matter at all uh, to uh, voters who've been previously supporting Senator Leffler? It's absolutely getting through to Georgia voters because what I'm hearing on the ground is voters want someone to represent them, to look out for their well-being. People in Georgia, all over this country, but especially in Georgia, we've been hard hit by this pandemic. And when we have a United States senator who is already the wealthiest in the entire United States Congress looking out for her own well-being, it's a shame. And she needs to go back, run her company, and do whatever she needs to do and let Georgia voters continue to demand that we're going to have someone who truly looks out for the people of this state. What are we going to see? There's a week left. A, a, a week from tonight, we will be sitting here in election coverage mode, a major election coverage night here at MSNBC, because uh, these two elections are about the future of American government. It will tell us what kind of government we're going to have uh, uh, for the future years, the first years of the Biden administration, for sure. Uh, what, what do you expect to see uh, in the last week that we haven't yet seen, or will it just be, will the campaigns be running the same plays that have gotten them this far? So, Lawrence, we are continuing to do the organizing on the ground. We're keeping the energy up. Um, I'm looking forward to a few concerts here in the state of Georgia. Well, I'm in D.C. right now, Lawrence, but can't wait to get back to have some celebrations and how we celebrate our voters who are showing out in record numbers and just keeping the energy up because we know this is going to be a close election. We are a battleground state. I've been saying it all along. And in true battleground fashion, every vote will count. Every vote will matter. And we need to make sure that we are not stopping until the last vote is counted. So we're going to keep turning out the votes, continue to organize and talking directly to voters, because we know that when we bring our issues and what's at stake to the voters, we win. Congresswoman elect Nikema Williams of Georgia, thank you very much for joining us again tonight. We always appreciate it. Well, everybody, I just wanted to say I am very pleased that on this Tuesday, I just happened to be up flipping through channels, and I caught all that from CNN, Don Lemon Show, and Lawrence O'Donnell on MSNBC. And I know between Tuesday and today, which is Friday, a lot has happened, but I wanted to make this as short as possible. I didn't succeed, excuse me. <clears throat> I didn't succeed, so it ended up being almost an hour episode, but I felt that the information was vital. I wanted you guys to hear in their own words, not just the four candidates, but the people that have been covering this in their opinions. And I do really believe that people should really consider their vote if they have not voted. I always tell people, I don't vote for people I'm African-American, let me put that out there, and I am an independent voter, and I must admit, most of the time I do vote Democrat, but I have voted for, and will in the future, I'm sure, vote for a Republican who is doing things in my best interest. So I don't want people to vote for someone because they're African-American or because they're white or because they're a Democrat or because they're a Republican. I want you to do research on people and see if they really care about you. Because you kept hearing how Purdue and Loeffler are just millionaires just trying to get power. We know from listening to them in their own words, they have plenty of money. They don't, do they really care about you? Think about that when you vote for them. Because they're going to be okay regardless. You know, I don't know what the future holds if we get both of these Senate seats on the Democratic side. But one thing I do know is that Mitch McConnell will not be in charge of the Senate. And I want you to think about that, if nothing else. Do you want him to be in charge for more years 
and we be in the situation that we're in continuously, the unemployment checks will not get the extra booth, uh, oomph. The uh, stimulus check may never come out. It's easy to say that uh, they're going to pass a bill, but how long does that bill uh, take? Uh, I was talking to someone, and they told me that once the first stimulus check was uh, passed, the bill was passed, it took almost 30 days to even get the money. So how many 30 days can you wait? If I'm not mistaken, some people were saying uh, that the end of December, everything is actually expiring. So this being the first day of January, does that mean yesterday people are losing their place to live? And, you know, these are the things you got to think about when you decide to vote on Tuesday, January 5th. Now, as I mentioned, I agree with Bakari in the messaging. I think that the Democrats need to rethink the marketing for things. But I'm going to be honest, I have never received so many text messages, so much literature. I wish I was actually visual so you could just see the stacks and stacks of things that I got from the Democratic candidates. And this is a positive comment. I'm actually elated. I don't know what part of the country, I mean, what part of the state any of the Georgia listeners are in, but on my part, we have gotten the message every day. I'm getting something in my mailbox. I have literally communicated with at least five to 10 people on text every week. I have literally, my little uh, ring camera and my other cameras can show people have come every week to my house at least two, three times a week with literature for uh, Reverend Warnock and John Ossoff. So I do believe there's a lot of footwork, grassroots footwork. Now, I didn't see this as much during the primary, I will admit, but I am proud of the Democratic Party. I think that they have got the message and they are getting out. I mean, overall, I do agree with Bakari. We need to maybe modernize our marketing, but right now, I was just out for lunch and I saw billboards on my side of town. And the funny thing is, not saying where I am, my side of town is definitely the Purdue. Uh, it's in the middle of both parties, actually. But, you know, you go a little further out, you'll see Purdue Loeffler signs. But I was impressed of how many Warnock and Ossoff signs I've seen in literally billboards. So I say bravo to everyone that's involved with the Democratic Party. I think they are on point with this. I'm excited. I really, really, really think we can get these seats. But as I was telling one of the young ladies who was at my door today, you know, as she asked me, did I vote? Did my household vote? I told her not only did we vote, I'm trying to promote the vote and I told her I was really proud that she took the risk to go door to door. And I'm just elated. And I had to remind some of my friends how important both seats are because a lot of people may not realize it. They need one seat. We need, and I'm saying the Democrats as in we, we need both. If they get one seat, Mitch McConnell will still be in charge. We need both seats to let Mitch go on and sit down. He's done everything under the sun that he should not have done to support wrongness in the last four years. So he got his seat back, but we need to sit him down. So, you know, if you want to look at it like that, that might be a good way to look at it. So we made this double the time, but I thought it was definitely worth it. And I hope those who have not voted in Georgia get out and vote. So I want to say thank you for listening, and I know this was extremely long, but I just needed to do this because this is that important. And like uh, Kelly Loeffler said, this is not only going to affect Georgia, it's going to affect all of America. And if America is powerful where we have an administration that can get things done, it will affect the world because America is what the world looks to. And unfortunately, the last couple of years, the world has laughed at America, so we need to get our power back. So if you haven't voted, get out and vote. 
And I want to say thank you for listening to the Ladies Promoting Transparent Advocacy Podcast. And if you have any questions, please give us a call at 404-855-7723. You can always send us an email at podcasthostshaypate19, all small letters, at gmail.com. And I ask that you follow us on Twitter at Advocacy Ladies. That's capital A as in Advocacy, capital L as in Ladies. And you can get us on all the podcast apps now from Pandora, Spotify, Apple iTunes, Google Play. And of course, uh, my podcast hosting uh, app, Podbean. So, you know, I really want you guys to follow us so we can do more things. And I really, really am excited when we can get the COVID under control so I can go out in the streets because once the election's over, I want to get out in the streets and talk to the communities and see what we can do to uplift, bridge, teach, learn, all those good things. So I like to end my episodes with the favorite question, what do you have to say? Thank you for listening.